everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mumbrella Cast, a discussion of everything under Australia's media and marketing umbrella. I'm your host, Neil Griffiths, and joining me, as always, Mumbrella's publisher, Mr. Adam Lang. Adam, welcome back. Neil, I'm grateful you're having me back. Um, it's It's been a big week, Adam. How's the last few days been for you? Really busy yeah. and good. You know, reporting season, lots of data around, lots of activity in the world of media and marketing. You and I have been out and about. It's been a really good week so far. Yeah, and also we're going to kick the show off talking about sport, which is a fun one for me. Really the overarching thing here is it's been a big week for Seven in a, in a great and not so great way. Um, but kicking it off, the Super Bowl was on Monday, Adam. Mm. We did speak about it last week, the Taylor Swift mania, or as a lot of people put it, Taylor Swift's boyfriend is playing at that Usher concert. Um, did you watch the game? Well, actually, I know we were in meetings during the game, so I was kind of watching the corner of my eye. Yeah, I had a television tilted towards <laughs> me that I could just see uh, through many of the meetings and work we did on Monday, but what a game. Mm. Um, sensational and thrilling finish. I actually had to stop meetings to watch the end because it was incredible. Yeah. And I believe it's one of the biggest audiences ever Yeah, the Super Bowl and even – in all television history, it's one of the biggest audiences ever. Yeah, I mean, obviously, again, the we talked about in last week's episode, there was a lot of uh, hype around Taylor Swift coming. You actually told me, oh, did you hear that um, Taylor got to the game fine, so she's all good. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. They reported on her getting to the game. It was Taylor Watch, <laughs> and I was in on it too. The spectacle, will she make it from Tokyo to the game on time in Las Vegas? And she did, yeah. and weren't we all grateful? And I'll tell you what else I was grateful for, Asha. He was so good. Good. Although there was like, I loved it. it. It wasn't like a, you know, top 10 Super Bowl performance. It wasn't like the Prince performance or the Michael Jackson performance. It was or only Rihanna third, or last Rihanna. year. Yeah, or like the year before, Dr. Dre and yes, Snoop Dogg. Yes, which Eminem. I loved. It was amazing. But it was only 13 minutes, the Usher performance. Yeah. Usually it's around the 20, 25-minute mark. But in saying that, the man was on roller skates in the middle of a football stadium. So And also shirtless for a period of time. And didn't he rock that? <laughs> yeah, always good. Well done, Usher. Another thing we love, which a lot of people love about the Super Bowl, is the ads. Now, before we do get into it, we do need to stress that, no, we didn't get these ads in Australia. We had to refer to social media for them. Um, you can check out mumbrella.com.au for a couple of stories we've got up. Actually, we've got a couple of opinion pieces about, you know, brand marketing and advertising at the Super Bowl and is it worth it. But then on Tuesday morning, we got a story up about really just reactions to some of the ads. So, again, you go to mumbrella.com.au, there's a, a piece with some reactions from people from Dentsu Creative, Reunion, Clevenger BBDO, Thinkabell, Campaign Edge, Half Dome, kind of their favourites and least favourites. Um, I was watching, you were actually printing some stuff off before. I watched the Michael Sarah Sarah V ad again. <laughs> that has to be a top ten, top five ad of all time. I loved it. And I, I can still in my head hear it now. Like now, like, but that's, isn't that what you want? Like you want to walk away as, as annoying as that word is in my head now. I know it. It worked its socks off, didn't yeah. it? It was so good. And i tell you what else is sort of second to mind for me was the Baja Blast. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, <laughs> that was so clever. I mean, there was really brilliant executions, high budget, big stakes, right? So you get that. The big audience got huge ads, and so we saw that. But Jesus, Sarah V ad for me was the win. Yeah, the "Let my cream hydrate you." <laughs> that was that was the line that got me. Um, you know, some other standouts: Kate McKinnon's Hellman ad, um, Christopher yes, Walken, who very had, good. Christopher Walken, who at eighty years old, 
is still rocking it. He did the BMW out. Have you seen that? Oh one? God, yeah, I yeah. loved it. Yeah. And how good natured he was about yeah. people just ripping his Doing speech that, mannerisms that, off. That, the accent. Yeah, well, is, yeah, is it an accent? It's just his manner of speaking. He's isn't an it? iconic actor, obviously. But you know, you think of the Fat Boy Slim film clip. Like that is lives in its own world. If he wasn't even famous, you would know him from that. There was some others. There was actually this one was a divisive ad. Uh, again, you can check it out the on the website the Paramount Patrick Stewart ad. I thought it was pretty funny. Genius. A lot. Some people said it was it was overdone. The, oh. the mountain shtick is overdone. There were too many people. So if you haven't seen the ad, you can check it out in the story. But there's Patrick Stewart. There's Drew Barrymore. There's Tom Lennon. There's Arnold from Hey Arnold. And of course Creed. <laughs> who for some reason in the last year have blown up all over again. I think it's TikTok because of the song Higher, which, by the way, absolute banger. But that's kind of soundtracks the whole ad. I thought it was funny, but a lot of people are like, oh, no, it's done. It's oh, overdone. I disagree completely. Yeah. Now, I have to register some bias here. I'm a massive Star Trek fan. So for me, Jean-Luc Picard, sure. Patrick Stewart, is just one of the ultimates yeah. of, of fine acting. And just the way he does his brand, you know, the way he engages with his audience and the way he treats his character, I just think he's brilliant. It, and the way the ad was scripted kind of around him, I won't spoil any of it, but there are so many moments where I just went, that is really good. And it made me think better of Paramount. It made me think better of the service. Well, I think maybe some people saw the ad and didn't put the dots together that the people in these ads are on programs on Paramount. Mm. So obviously Patrick Stewart the man himself, Picard. Mm. P- how, P- Picard? Picard. Picard. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's the way you pronounce it. Drew Barrymore, the Drew Barrymore show. Yes. Uh, I think the only person or people in that ad that aren't home to Paramount is Creed. <laughs> but don't they have a home in all our hearts, Adam? <laughs> like all good Christian rock. <laughs> like Creed, that song is one of those ones that Triple M banged yeah. so incessantly when I was working. Mm. I think it scarred me a little bit. So you, I just you kind of, really? I, I flinch a little bit. But when I saw it on the ad, yeah. I was like, oh, that works. Yeah. Because they're good humoured about it too. It, what There's another big conversation around the Super Bowl ads that's again, is kind of divisive. Like obviously there's a lot of money goes into this and they are really fun or they can be flops. Are you comfortable with the idea that these ads can cost $10 million for essentially a minute ad? Yes. And I think it, there is something about the discipline of boiling a story down to a short format like an ad. High risk, big play. I love it. I mm. think it's great spectacle and it's impossible to always get it right, but mm. I think many of them did. Well, thinking back to the conversation I was having with Greg Hoffman, which mm. you can hear on the one-on-one podcast series, using celebrities in campaigns can sometimes be a bit exploitative. Mm-hmm. It can just be a reach. Again, my favourite ad, and I'm pretty sure it was your favourite ad, was the Michael Sarah Sarah V. Yeah. Now, is the man into hand cream? <laughs> Not so sure, but it's now synonymous because obviously it's just a simple plan where it's Michael Serra, Serra V. Yes. That's it. That is genius. Yeah, and look, Arrested Development, my brother bought me the whole box set of the DVDs when that was the, the way to get it. I love that show. Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, uh, Michael Serra. So he's got this cultural iconic status for me. So the minute I saw him come out in this ad, I just thought, oh, that's good. Well, I think it's important you're also tongue-in-cheek as well. Absolutely. It, it, he's not being sincere about this this product. It's That's the fun of it, right? Whereas the Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey and the whiskey. Yeah. You know, the bourbon, that's the sorry, one, yeah. Bourbon. Whereas that was very sincere and serious. Yes. And well shot. Beautiful. But then it was kind of. And his voice. Yeah. My God, how good is he? But then it was teased for some time because it, it may be a bit too. 
much self-sufficient. Maybe not sufficient, so self-satisfied. Yes. Um, but again, you can check out mumbrella.com.au for all the coverage on the ads. Another thing that was reported uh, shortly after was the Super Bowl ratings. In Australia, it aired on seven. Um, it was reported that it reached 2.7 million Australians. That's up 43% from 2023. Uh, the game itself reached 2.55 million. The average national total TV audience for the game was 800,000. That's up 67% on last year. Live streaming on 7 Plus was up 128% on the year's prior game with 37.7 million minutes streamed. That's a big get for Channel 7. Daytime on a Monday. Those figures <laughs> are incredible. And I was one of them. That's the usually young and restless reruns, <laughs> which I don't know that. And look, least important to me was Taylor Swift. But <laughs> yeah. it was still interesting. Yeah. You know, and just didn't that cross to her an awful lot? Well, let me take, take out the Taylor, take out the Usher. Yeah. Um, Great game. NFL fans would probably know that um, the 49ers and the Chiefs have played together a few times. They're kind of the, they've been very good for a very long time. Mm. So I don't know, for an NRL analogy, it's kind of like if the Panthers versus the Melbourne Storm. Mm. We've seen that game. It's It was still a great game, but it wasn't a, you know, a team that hasn't been in the, in the Super Bowl for 20 years. We've, we've seen it before. So for the ratings to be that good, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, and for Kansas City Chiefs, was seen as the underdog going in and prevailed mm. again, back to back. Again. This is the third time in five years they've won. They're going for a triple, so this story may not be over. Mm. Just the high performance and sustained high performance, you know, from sporting history, this is impressive. So it had something for the purists. It had something for the just more casually interested and the game went into overtime mm. and it just kept going and going and going and being exciting. Is there a way we can find out what the ratings were specifically for the overtime? I'm sure there is because you can get minute-by-minute minute ratings. And right. so we should probably talk to our friends at Seven about getting that. But I'd have to say they'd be more than delighted mm. with those numbers. I think one of the other stats that is really interesting, uh, in the US I think it was over 125 million people that were reported to have watched it. And 16 million called in sick on the Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a very high Just attrition rate. Just a bug rate. going around, man. Didn't yeah, I tell you? the coincidence. Um, <laughs> so I, I would suspect that maybe we saw some of that too here in Australia where by that Monday afternoon some people weren't quite as on task as they might have been otherwise. Mm. Well, I did say at the start of the show that it was a good week for Seven in that sense, but it's it's had a pretty rocky 24 to 48 hours to say the least. So if you haven't seen already, Seven West Media reported a 40% drop in earnings for the first half of a challenging financial year 2024 with net profits down 49%. Um, Seven West Media reported group revenue of $775 million for the final six months of the calendar year in last year. Uh, and that's a 5% drop on the previous corresponding period. Adam, your thoughts? Look, tough, right? Really tough. And we know from the broader industry that probably July, August, September, October okay, including up to the Black Friday sales and Cyber Monday, but that November and December broadly tapered off. And so those last couple of months of the year were tough. Indeed, seven talked about of the months between July and January, four of the seven months for them were good, but you know, not all of them. And so we've seen some really interesting things. The audience achievement that Seven have here is strong. And in, that included events such as the Matildas and World Cup. Uh, but really, it's not on that alone that these numbers were created. Their broad programming strategy, 
grew audience, that is to be commended. Um, their advertising share grew, and so that also is to be commended. So they've reported a total TV revenue share of 41%, number one in the market, and that's an increase of 1.7 on the previous corresponding period. So they've grown audience, they've grown share. The broader television market was seen to go back 9%. They didn't go back as much. So they grew share. So in the competitive set, what you see is the tide is has been tough. The tide of advertising revenue on television has been going out 9% backwards, but that seven has done relatively better. And so they've grown audience and they've grown revenue share in that market. That's to be commended. They've also decreased costs. And mm. they say most of their programming costs was in this half of the year. So they've got an accelerated cost reduction program coming up. So what this says is it's been tough conditions. The skills of all of those executives, all those people working at seven have been tested. They've had to be more and more productive with less resources to do so. So they've done a good job, but the market's been tough. And so really interesting, good professional achievement, but tough result. And it'd be interesting to see how they're trading now and trading forward. Just holding what you said there as well. So this was the official quote from Seven Chief James Warburton. Um, he said the company's financial performance reflects the weakness in advertising markets with the final three months of 2023 particularly weak. So the quote is, we continue to believe in the power of television and firmly believe that the total TV industry is set to regain market share. Do you agree with that? I think it can. I think there is, and look, I just defer to, sorry, I must reference Nathan Jolly's work here in the article 7's 40% earnings drop. You know, that, it's a really good article and covers the territory. For those who wish to explore this a little bit more, the free-to-air story is really only part of it. And that has been challenged in audience, no doubt, because our habits are changing. So much of what we do increasingly is on the mobile phone and mobile and digital. So it's quite normal in our lives to expect broadcast video on demand or subscription video on demand, just downloading and watching through the 7 Plus app or whatever it is that you choose to engage with 7 on. They have invested deep in that content and those distribution platforms and it's working. Those numbers are growing exponentially and how quickly that can be made to keep growing mm. So you would have to say this is a battle between the analogue and the digital and really how customers best want to receive it and progressively we're showing the digital is the way. So, look, they're capitalising on that and I think that's the way that television share will continue to grow. Whether you want to look at these results as glass half full or glass half empty, we can't forget as well that James Warburton is leaving at the end of June. So big changes are coming regardless. Um, given what James said in those comments that they said before, Adam, do you think Seven, maybe not similarly to ABC, but in the context of they've had this drop, but you can see there's a positive, James is out the door. Do you foresee big changes coming with Seven or is it very much business as usual? Let's try and just keep going where Warburton left off. It's almost like business is not usual for all of us, <laughs> yeah. right? And so I think that's true of Seven too. I can only predict the change will continue because it has to. You know, the way we're consuming is progressively changing and more and more people are consuming in the digital realm, so that must continue. How that affects programming will be really interesting. News, sport, dramatic television, how we invest in that. You know, the, the competition with streamers, uh, the partnering with different content production houses, movie houses and so on. All changing, all will continue to change. Just in the USA, we saw some of the free-to-air networks get together and do a sporting combination sure. on a joint app. So they're recognising how they're competing in that space all the time. And I think, I think that supports the expectation 
the change has to continue. That's exciting and in the end, great for customers, as in the audience, and advertisers. Mm. And also the AFL is coming back soon. So there is that for seven. March the 7th, I think, is the Thursday blockbuster. The Swans in Melbourne will kick off the AFL. We've got the NRL coming back. Those winter codes, albeit not quite the weather for it, winter, but we we see those codes are coming back already and uh, it's less than a month away. You can check out the full story on mumbrella.com.au. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Mumbrella cast with myself, Neil Griffiths and Adam Lang. Adam, uh, look, usually we save this for the end of the show, but the demand has been so great. And by the way, I have a jingle now. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Please hold. By the way, I actually just found this while I was recording the other day and I thought this will do. That is smooth. But be careful, Adam, because if the this segment bombs, then you'll hear this. Okay. You can tell I was bored this I week. I will let your musical judgment prevail. The first one sounded like I was in a jazz club in New Orleans. and It's a sophisticated segment for sophisticated people. Right. Adam, what is making other business this okay. week? Okay. Some glimmers, I think, of better news mm-hmm. that continue to come in. Not just inflation coming down. And interest rates staying on hold, as we've reported in the last couple of weeks. But this week, Australian consumer confidence hits a 20-month high. So this is the Westpac Melbourne Institute Consumer Sentiment Index that comes out every month. In February, it rose from 81 to 86. Now, we know that 100 is neutral. So what this means is we've come off those record lows of 81. The people, even in the last four weeks, are feeling better. They're feeling less pessimistic. I think a big factor around that was the hope that interest rates have stopped rising. So let's let's hope that is the case. And obviously the promise, sorry, the promise of statutory tax cuts were also seen as a positive too. Now, how did those things impact business? We also had the NAB monthly business survey. That is a little bit further back. It asks business leaders about their sentiment in the month of January. And business confidence rose one point. Now that's only one and it's below the long run average but it is improvement. So what we're seeing in this is that consumers and businesses are feeling less bad about the path ahead, even in the course of the last four weeks. Now, that is good news for marketers in the advertising industry because that means consumer sentiment is getting better, that people are feeling less pressure about spending money and will progressively make different decisions about what they're buying and when they're buying it. Looking here, the the Reserve Bank's muted response after its meeting last week means the overall consumer mood quote, remains pessimistic. Yeah. Despite the fact that the headline right there is the consumer confidence hits 20-month high. So it's still, despite the fact that it is pessimistic, again, trying to find the the diamond in the rough here, mm. is this getting better or is it still a, it's 20-month high considering how low it's been? It's it's both of those things. Now, I think the, the accuracy of this is the data we get that we're not just having to guess how people are feeling. We're seeing real data about how people are feeling. And these are long-standing indices, right? This research has been done over decades. So we are seeing that people did indeed in consumer land feel really bad, like record low territory, the lowest in, in 30 years. And that was at an 81. Now that's come up quite significantly to 86. So they're feeling less bad even in the space of a month. That's significant. And I think that says, thank Thankfully, interest rates may have stopped rising and thankfully we're going to get some tax relief come July 1. 
also for businesses, I think they're seeing the same data too and going, well, that's good news. That interest rates are not going up even more is good for businesses. Money costs less to borrow. People's budgets are less restricted on high interest rate repayments. So this is good news. Well, we always like to end these segments on a positive note. So I guess the the message here, Adam, is that things were bad and now they're less bad, right? Absolutely. That's the best and that's good news. <laughs> yeah, that's good news. And that was Adam's other business. Um, before we go, uh, if you haven't seen already, we have released both parts of the Greg Hoffman uh, episode, which is the first episodes of the new one-on-one series. Uh, we'll be releasing the video for that in the next few days. So keep an eye on myumbrella.com.au for that. To, to tease this week's episode, however, we're joined by Hollywood and Australian royalty in Eric Banner. Uh, if you haven't seen already, The Dry 2, or it's called Force of Nature, colon, The Dry 2, is the sequel to the 2020 hit film The Dry, of course, based on the novel by Jane Harper. Um, He came on, full disclosure, he came on the Plug podcast, my podcast, but we love this uh, chat with Eric so much, we wanted to bring it on the one-on-one series. Spoiler alert, though, I know this is the second guest. It's called one-on-one. It's technically one-on-two because it was with Eric and the Dry director, Rob Connolly. Uh, But we also will uh, share an interview with... Jane Harper and the producer of The Dry, Jody Madison, just about how this film came together. So to give some context, Adam, I remember doing this interview with Eric in 2020 when The Dry 1 came out and it was December 2020 and it was right around when COVID restrictions were starting to ease up. We really didn't know if people wanted to go back to the cinema. I think when I did this interview, this was Eric's first interstate trip in two years because he'd been allowed to leave Melbourne. And the film was a hit. It was one of the highest grossing Australian film opening weekends of all time. And currently is the 15th highest grossing local movie of all time. So that's why we've got Force of Nature, The Dry 2. And I spoke to Eric and Rob Connolly all about it. And it is a great chat. They are two titans. And indeed with Jane Harper, another titan of of their trades. So uh, I remember Eric Banner from Full Frontal, Mm -hmm. from The Castle. Pointer. Pointer, and he was hilarious. Me and my wife still laugh about some of the stuff he did and to see how he's evolved his career is stunning. Rob Connolly on the production side, directorial side, he is such a high achiever. And and then with Jane Harper, who's obviously written smash books. So the three of them together, you've got three big names and achievers in the industry and together for for this chat, Neil, I am really looking forward to listening to it. Well, Eric in particular as well, you know, he is a Hollywood star, but he somehow managed to continue having such a strong career while staying out of the Hollywood bubble. Like I'm pretty sure he still lives in Australia and he only goes back to America when it's time to film something. Yeah. He actually kind of has like a dislike of the the Hollywood culture. And I know we speak in this conversation, he's really big on um, bigging up Australian productions. He thinks we can compete with Hollywood. And going back to that um, story there, I said about when I interviewed them during COVID, that was during the time when, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis was being filmed in Australia. We had the Thor movie being filmed in Australia. A rom-con with George Clooney and Julia Roberts was filmed here because they couldn't do it in the US. And despite that, Australia still really struggles to fight for crews, for production costs and budget. The dry was such a hit that it demanded this sequel. And that's nothing but good news for Australian productions and companies. Yeah, I hope they can I hope they can continue it. And I think it's it's testament to the support of people like Eric Banner that these projects get off the ground. You know, when it comes to investing in production, mm. it's a gamble for many investors to do that. There is no guarantee of success. Yes, there's tax support. There's the validation of investing in great stories and Australian stories and Australian production. 
but they don't always work. And so they're a big risk. They need people like Eric Banner, Rob Connolly and Jane Harper to support them and producing them here in Australia. It's awesome. So The Dry 2 is in cinemas right now, but uh, the interview with Eric Banner and some of the other members of The Dry 2 will be out on mumbrella.com.au this Friday. So if you're listening to it past this Friday, it's on there now. Otherwise, if you're listening to it on Wednesday or Thursday, just wait till tomorrow. Be patient, please. It's worth the wait. Thanks, Adam. Before we go, uh, we always want to give a quick mention that the Mumbrella Awards, the 2024 entries, are now open. You can head to mumbrella.com.au forward slash Mumbrella Awards to enter. So just for context, it will be returning to the star in Sydney. It'll be held on August 1 and feature 34 categories to celebrate agencies and individuals across the industry. Yeah, thanks, Neil. And I would encourage anyone who's done some great work that they're really proud of, do not be bashful. Enter it in the awards because great work deserves to be celebrated. You can head to mumbrella.com.au for all of the stories that are making the rounds this week. And don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter and comment on the stories. Comments are back, people. Feel free to write whatever you wish within reason, please. This is the Mumbrella cast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. 